36, 36, 36. What's up, Creation Grounds? This is episode 36, and I'm your host, Aaron Lloyd. If you've been rocking with me this long, I appreciate you. And if you're just joining, welcome. Before I get into our next guest and everything that she has going on, I want to encourage you to like, subscribe, share, do everything you can to make other people aware of this. And uh, now on to our guest. The next guest is Benja K. Thomas. And in this episode, we talk about her process of creating a character, believing in yourself before others believe in you, and smiling through it all. She has a background in photography, so we kind of talk about that. We talk about her interest in potentially becoming a nun when she was younger and where that stemmed from. We talk about the day and the moments leading up to her wanting to act. Um, how, what are the most beautiful piece of art that she's experienced, which I think her, her answer was dope. Um, believing in yourself before others believe in you. Um, we talk about her experience with Halfway Bitches Go Straight to Kevin, with, uh, which was written by Pulitzer Prize winning Stephen Havard Gerges. The play itself won three Outer Critic Circle Awards and was also nominated for a Drama Desk Award. We talk about her character and that, what her experience working with Stephen Adley, Adley Gerges was, and her OB Award winning experience, because she's also an OB Award winning actress. So, enjoy this episode with Benjamin K. Thomas coming at you. Grounds. I have the lovely, talented Benja K. Thomas on with me. What's up, Benja? Hey, darling. How you doing? I'm doing good. So let's start with a little bit about your background in photography. That's something I found very interesting about you and that maybe people don't know. Um, where did that interest come from? How did you get interested in photography? You know, I, um, I've always been interested in photography, even when we were, uh, even when we had Polaroid cameras. And I never thought it would be a hobby, but I've always been interested in it. And um, just a little side note, I am adopted, but when I found my real father, my real father was a photographer. So I think it's in my DNA. You know what I mean? What? Uh, I see pictures of him with cameras and pictures of him with um, video equipment. So I think I must have got it honestly. And um, I love I love taking pictures of people. I love taking pictures of landscapes and then manipulating them to the way I like them. So, um, yeah, that's it. Beautiful. I didn't know you were adopted. That's uh, something new for me as well. Would you? How does your your photography affect your acting and vice versa? And if at all, do that? Does one influence the other? Well, I just think that as an actor as well as a photographer. You have to have a certain eye about things, and you have to have certain feelings about things. I photograph things that I feel and I see. Uh, when I'm performing, I also have to feel and see what the character is going through and um, uh, what their day is like or how their life is like. And I, I see photography as the same way, you know? Um, all of it is God's art, if you ask me, you know? Yeah. So you grew up in Harlem. You're a Harlem native. I'm a Harlem native. I grew up in El Barrio. Uh, I grew up on 115th Street, Lexington Avenue, and the projects over there. It's the Johnson Projects. And um, I think the projects, so I'm not going to date myself because I don't want you to know how old I really <laughs> am unless you Googled it and they may have it there. But <laughs> when I grew up in the projects, it was really like a comeuppance for um, families 
that were coming in from the South or whatever. So, and it was a hodgepodge. It was a mix. So in my projects, even though it was El Barrio, I was very close to Little Italy. And uh, I had a lot of Italian kids in my class. I had a lot of Spanish kids in my class. Uh, I had a lot of Asian kids in my class. And it was, and, and we all lived in the same area in those projects, in the surrounding projects. So uh, I had a very cultural experience growing up. Very diverse. What would you say that your your favorite memory of growing up in El Barrio, uh, Harlem, would be? My favorite memory, one of my favorite memories, because there's many, but one of my favorite memories is the summertime. And in the summertime, they used to have these outdoor stages. They used to come right directly to the projects. They used to build these stages in the projects. And all these performers would come, like James Brown, like Tito Puente. Like, I mean, it was a, it was a mix of people. And you just got to dance all day. They would be out there for hours performing and um, for free, wow. you know, for the community. And uh, it, was, it was just very, it was a very exciting time. So tell me about your interest in your your interest in becoming a nun. So your initial interest in becoming a nun. Aaron, I'm gonna knock you in your eyebrow. Why? Why Wait. my eyebrows? <laughs> Leave my eyebrows alone now. <laughs> okay, so um, as a child, um, my mother gave me a um, option: Do you want to go to Catholic school? or Do you want to go to public school? I have no idea why she had this conversation with me because I wasn't even in the first grade yet. I said I want to go to Catholic school. And I was, I went to the Catholic school for 12 years. Um, my um, high school year, I, I, it was an all-girls school. And for some reason, I really fell in love with being Catholic. I thought that I would take a vow and be a nun and give my life to Jesus. Now, um, I know early on they probably would have kicked my ass out of there because, <laughs> I, you know, I, I, you know, I, I was very um, vocal and I was very, um, I was extremely, what is the word that I'm looking for? I was extremely... Rebellious? What is it? Rebellious, maybe? I was extremely rebellious. Um, so they definitely would not have let me pass the test of whatever you have to do. But, you know, for some reason, I really felt, I really felt that was a calling for me. Beautiful. But I'm glad I didn't take that call. And you take the call of acting. So what? tell me about that day, the moments leading up to the decision that you wanted to act or something that you'd be interested in pursuing. Well, I've always wanted to be in entertainment from a child. Um, I remember looking at the TV. I was thinking about this today. And um, that's before the TV. Uh, I shouldn't even say color TV. You know, that's okay. I'm going to tell you a little joke. <laughs> Back in the day, when you wanted color TV, you bought a screen. It was blue on the top, it was yellow in the middle, and it was green on the bottom. Green for grass, yellow for I don't know what the hell, and blue for the sky. So if you want a color TV, you put that screen on the TV, right? Mm -hmm. um, crazy. But I used to watch a lot of black and white TV, but for some reason, I always wanted to perform, and I always used to try to get into the TV, you know, so that I could be part of the action. And I was thinking about this. I was, like, watching a lot of gangster movies, and imagine this little black girl just all of a sudden coming into a gangster movie in a black and white gangster <laughs> movie. What the hell was he going to do with me? You know what I mean? But um, I've always loved it. And then um, I was always involved in some point of, at, at, at some point in entertainment. Like back in the day, uh, I used to model. 
and uh, I was getting pretty good at it and doing a lot of runway shows and um, also facilitating or, or putting together runway shows. And it took me to Paris. Wow. It took me to Vegas. You know, I've, I've kind of been traveling with that. And then I came back and I said, you know what? I really want to pursue acting. That's my true love. But it's always been an entertainment thing for me. That's beautiful. Full of surprises. I didn't know that you went to Paris and like traveled and all that. That's 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 awesome. Um, yeah. So with the photography, art, um, acting, art means different things to different people um, from their different perspectives. Tell me about a moment when you first experienced what you thought was beautiful art. Wow. Or life life changing art. Something that really struck you as like, wow, that's art. Wow. You know what is art to me? And this may sound a little corny. And I always um, tag my photos, God's art. Because I think nature is beautiful. Mm. And I think people are beautiful just, you know, by themselves. And so when I'm walking by a garden or if I'm in the park, I just take pictures of flowers because that inspires me. And... Uh, there are there are painters that I love, but I just think natural beauty, natural faces, that's what inspires me to uh, want to be an artist and a photographer in that way. I'm not sure if I answered your question. You did, yeah. I think nature or just people or just um, humanness is what I got from that. I don't know if that's what you were pointing out yeah. to, but, but just like um, just people's nat natural, authentic beauty is something that, that really strikes exactly. too. Exactly. Like right now, the way I'm seeing you, even though we're not supposed to be on video, I would take your picture because you look fantastic. I love the beard. I love the way your glasses look on you and the tank top and the t-shirt against that um, um, the window that, you, uh, that you're in front of in the curtain. Mm -hmm. I would definitely photograph that. Oh, thank you. Thanks. Got the quarantine beer going on. Hope everybody's staying <laughs> safe, safe with uh, COVID and everything. Quarantine series, baby. Yeah. I'm doing a quarantine series. So you, uh, Yeah, and speaking of which, you were selected as a writer for 50 and 50 in Love in Time of Corona. And uh, from the post I saw, because we're uh, Facebook friends, as you said, you wrote it from the heart in spite of doubts. So tell me about that process of getting your thoughts out on paper for that. And is, was it your first experience with writing? No. Um, you know... I've always been a writer, but I've always been afraid of people reading my work because I didn't think that it was good enough. You know, you get those little devils in your head, the, uh, I call them ants, um, negative thoughts. Um, but I said, you know what, I'm just going to submit. And every time I've submitted to 50 and 50, I've gotten selected. Well, there's one time I didn't, but I know why I didn't get selected. So this time, um... When they asked for love in the time of Corona, I just had to look in my bedroom and look at my husband. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. he's an essential worker. He mm -hmm. goes, he gets up at 5.45 a.m. every morning. And every morning when he gets up, he sings, good morning, good morning. You wow. know, he'll sing to me. And uh, we'll sing to each other. I'll make the coffee, get back in bed. And, of course, I'm wondering and I'm hoping that he's not catching anything while he's out there mm -hmm. or bringing anything home. But that was my inspiration for that. And that was coming from the heart. So I guess they felt what I was, what I put down on paper and, you know, selected me for that. So that was a joy. That's great. You mentioned that negative, negative thoughts or ants, as you call them, are pervasive. Automatic negative thoughts, A-N-T. 
automatic negative thoughts. We all have them. Uh, what would you say it is to believe in yourself before others believe in you, or destroying those ants before they can grow to an anthill? All right, so you didn't ask me this, but I'm going to tell you. When I, when I found out that I was adopted, and I found out at 11 years old, I internalized that. Even though the woman who adopted me, the parents who adopted me, they loved me and they gave me everything. I felt that I was given away because I did something wrong. Mm. And I felt that I didn't have value. And that stayed with me a long time, Aaron. Um, even though I put up a good front and I put up a good face. But eventually I found out that that wasn't my fault. Mm-hmm. I had nothing to do with that. And that I have gifts. It took me a long time to realize that I had gifts and that I appreciate the gifts that I have. But, you know, it's work. Because you have people in your life, maybe you don't, but I've had people in my life say, oh, you're not good enough. Um, Or you're not this enough. Or you're not that enough. And sometimes that can mess with you more than people complimenting you and saying, wow, you were really fantastic. I don't know why we hang on to negative thoughts more Mm -hmm. than we hang on to the positive ones. So I had to learn how to reverse that and hang on to the positive thoughts and then also believe in myself, believe in who I was, because I just wasn't put here just to be a lump on the log. I was put here to do something. And I had to realize, yeah, you got gifts, girl. And so don't let anybody tell you, what, whether anybody else believes that or not, I believe it. You know what I mean? I believe and it too. And so that, that, that helps me move forward. That's great. So for an actor who may be listening who has zero experience, zero experience, they've never set foot on a stage, no training, um, or a creator, creative writer, artist, photographer, anything, zero uh, experience. If they wanted to develop that belief before having evidence of it working out for them, how could they work on that? What would, you, what would your advice then be? So I just want to make sure I understand your question. You're saying somebody who has zero experience, mm-hmm. what should they do before they start auditioning? Or what? I guess, I guess um, something that I think, anytime somebody's starting something new, there might be, it's a leap of faith in many ways when you're trying something new. So for somebody who specifically wants to act, but they have zero experience and they might have those little ants in their head that says that they can't, what can they do to develop the belief that, that there, it can work out for them or how can they take that leap of faith? Well, first of all, uh, if if they have that thought that they want to do it, then they should just do it. Whether you have zero experience or not, quite honestly, I never went to school for, for performing. I went to school for, um, um, fashion and, uh, fashion. Mm-hmm. and to become a buyer. But I always knew I wanted to get into entertainment. So what I did was I took acting classes. Um, I read plays. I did shows for free for a long time. Didn't get paid um, because that was a passion of mine and it's something I wanted to do. And quite honestly, I didn't even know you could make money doing this. I mean, I saw people making money. I saw celebrities making money. Not too many black folks when I was coming up. But I didn't even know you can make money doing this. I just wanted to do it because I loved it. And I found a way to insert myself. And it's, and it's even easier today to find a way. You know, you can always, there's always groups on Facebook or Instagram saying, you know, 
we're looking for actors or we have a group of actors or writers. So it's easier today. But if it's something that you think you want to do, I would just say go for it. You know, I don't have a degree in acting. I didn't go to, to school for acting. I just studied with private coaches, you know. Let's chat. Halfway Bitches Go Straight to Heaven. It won three Outer Critics Circle Awards. Tell me about the process of creating your character and the, your relationship with her or her relationship with you. Well, that's really hilarious because <laughs> um, I got a call from Stephen Ethel Gurgis. He is the playwright and a Pulitzer Prize winner. And he was like, Benja, I want you in my play. I've known him a long time. Always believed in him. I'm writing this part for you. He wrote the part, but that's not the part that I got. Wow. So they gave it to someone else. And he's like, well, I still want you in this play. And the director, John Ortiz, was like, I want you in this play. And we would have rehearsals, and I had no lines. Mm. I had no lines because it wasn't written yet. So that was a crazy-ass process because how are you in rehearsal for a play that's not even written yet. You know what I mean? Just right. half of some of the characters were being developed. But I guess the great thing about it is that as the pages started coming in, um, it, it gave me a time to, to really reflect on what this writer was saying. And the pages weren't coming every day. Mm -hmm. So I had a couple of days to reflect on who this character was, what she wanted, um, what she didn't like, who she was. And um, that's how that was developed. You have 18 characters plus a goat. It, it, you know, and a play that's not written. It, it was a hard process. Yeah, I can, I can imagine. He's He happens to be one of my favorite playwrights as well. I first heard about him, um, I want to say, my sophomore year of college. Um, and it must have been an incredible experience like for you, like, like you said, being in that process with the playwright and helping develop something that wasn't in full development yet. So what was it like speaking his words from a new work and being involved in that process? You kind of maybe touched on this a little bit already with your prior answer, but what what was that I'm what was crazy. that like? It was crazy. And I'm gonna tell you why it was crazy. It was crazy and it was a, it, it stretched me as an actor because Stephen was never in the room. Wow. He never came to the room. He never ever ever came to the room, not once. Mm -hmm. So you're working from a writer not seeing what you're doing, just trusting what you're doing. Um, and getting, I guess, notes from the director. So that that's kind of hard, too, because um, if you've ever worked on a new play, usually the playwright is in the room. Right. And even if they don't have, even if they're asked not to say anything to the actor, you can at least ask questions to the director. The director can take them back to the playwright, playwright. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. that, that was a that was a interesting process. However... You know, Stephen is so brilliant that we still were able to pull it together and working on this new play without the playwright being in the room ever because uh, he's just a brilliant guy. So it says something I don't about, know if I have a question. It does, and it says something about you guys too with the brilliant cast, you know, to be able to, to galvanize and do that and create something really special. So um, I, I just want to acknowledge you guys on that. I didn't get to see it. <laughs> I didn't get to see. I'm still, still frustrated about that. But I'm, I'm glad for all you guys. Um, and we, and we're nominated for 
Newport Drama Desk Awards. It didn't come on um, two Saturdays ago. I think it was last Saturday because of all this craziness going on in the world, especially with George Floyd, and they wanted to honor that. So we are up for a Drama Desk Award. Awesome. A couple of them is coming on this Saturday. So hopefully we'll win some more. I believe it. I believe you guys will. You And yeah. for you personally, you have a Obie. You, you've won an Obie Award, correct? Am I right in that? Yeah, so tell me about that experience and the story leading up to that. Okay, this is this is going to be a story, child. You ask for a story, I'm going to give you one. I'm, I'm ready. Well, here, here it goes. Um, Robert O'Hara, another brilliant writer, a uh, brilliant director. I love him. He had a show called Booty Camp, and he originally asked me to audition for it, and I turned it down because I was helping my husband raise his two children. And I got out of the game for a long time. And I heard he was putting on booty candy again in Washington or somewhere. I don't know where it was. And I said, Robert, I wrote him a note. It's always good to keep in contact with people. I wrote him a note and said, Robert, I would love to audition for you. He was like, okay, fine. You know, and he called me in. I got the part. I think it was in Philly. Yes, that's where it happened. And... To be quite honest with you, I'm just going to be totally honest with you, Aaron. I was getting ready to get fired from the show because... <laughs> rebellious. <laughs> no, it wasn't rebellious. What it was is sometimes when you're working on a project and you haven't done it in a long time. I hadn't been on stage in a long time and I had fear. Mm. I memorized my lines before I even got to this theater in Philadelphia. I knew the whole script. Once we started rehearsal, I couldn't remember shite. Yeah. I couldn't remember anything. I was nervous. There was these fantastic actors. I was like, why am I in the room? You know, all of these ants. Mm. These um, ants started filling my head. Until finally, um, I got it together and I didn't get fired. But it was also, um, it also helped me build my confidence. And when they moved this show to New York, I had to audition again. There were some people that had the parts, but I had to audition. I was fine with that. You know, I don't mind doing a show in New York, and it's a Robert O'Hara show, and I have to audition for it. I got the part, and it was like butter. I mean, the way we gelled, it was like butter. So the experience of working on a play, I don't know if you know Booty Candy. It, it played at the Signature. I remember it was at the Signature, right? At the signature at Playwrights. Was, oh, Playwrights Horizons. Yeah, over there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do remember. I didn't see it, but I do remember when it was going on, for sure. It was crazy. It, you know, Robert has a really fantastic mind, and he does not write linear like a lot of playwrights. So, um, and everybody was coming out to see it. Stephen Songheim, uh, Leon from you. Know, I mean, everybody was coming to see this play, and it was just it was just wonderful when you're on stage with people you trust. That's the most important thing. And we never looked at getting an OB or getting. Um, any awards, but because we gel so well, because Robert's such a fantastic writer, you know, that was a perfect storm for us to create and, and have fun. That's awesome. What what makes you smile the most in your life right now? What makes me such, baby? It's kind of hard these days. Oh, yeah, 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 where everything is going on. Um, my husband makes me smile. I love it. I, lo I love that he does that. He sings to you good morning every day. That's a, that's a, that's a great way to... to that's great. I might, I might steal that. <laughs> he makes me smile every morning, and we laugh every night. And I think that you have to find laughter in the day. Absolutely. you got to find something to make you laugh and make you smile, you know, out loud. And um, I fortunately have that. So 
That's beautiful. If you could place a billboard or a model in Times Square, what would it say and why? I don't want to sound cliche, but if I could place a billboard in um, Times Square, it would say Black Lives Matter. Love it. I think it was. It was actually, it was, I, I think they um, did that in Times Square. But I agree with you. I'm, I'm all for it. It, it would say Black Lives Matter because I'm gonna tell you, Aaron, this 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 George Floyd thing. I mean, I I hadn't cried so much in a long time. Well, it was the three back to back. Mm -hmm. It was Ahmad, then Brianna, mm -hmm. then Amy, and then George Floyd, and and I think 2020 Vision. I think that we were lucky to be home around the world. Yeah. Not in New York City, but around the world, we were lucky to be home so that we can actually, so people can actually see mm -hmm. what the hell we've been screaming about for years. For, for years. Mm -hmm. And they had to continually see, it was on a continuous loop because we had to be home, because we weren't allowed to leave our house. So, um, wow, I forgot what the question was. But anyway, um, I think it was, uh, unfortunately, George Floyd was a blessing, but I think he, he came here to do something and the ancestors was working. And so that billboard would say Black Lives Matters. And I think that people are now starting to realize what we've been yelling about for, for years. I, to repeat, so. I definitely agree. Think things are kind of slow with uh, COVID and all this kind of stuff. Um, what Do you have any projects working that you're working on now artistically or photography or what projects do you want to work on in the future? Well, I put out a video um, when Ahmaud Aubrey uh, was murdered, and it's called The Beloved Project. Mm -hmm. And I got a bunch of our active friends together. I don't know if you saw the video, but, um, and we took a line, we took a monologue from the book Beloved, and we performed that in homage to them. I'm also working on a video um, about voting, because we have got to vote gotcha. this November. Uh, we have got to get out in numbers. We cannot have this fool, in my opinion, run the country for four more years. Um, I'm also working with uh, a brilliant talent. Her name is Michelle Baldwin, and she has a series called Actors Life, um, the series. And every week we've been putting on um, live Facebook discussions um, dealing with actors and their plights, and this year, uh, this this Saturday, we have a youth summit, so we're going to hear from young people. And you know, I've been producing that. I've been segment producer on it. Um, I also am writing and also doing um, a COVID, the COVID series with my photography. So I'm working on some things. Beautiful. Um, I ask all my all my guests this um, for every episode. When you think of the word creative, who comes to mind for you and why? I don't want to sound cliche, but God. You're I, God. I think about God because I, I could not have what I have, and I don't think anybody else could have what they have if we weren't put here to do it. Um, I'm inspired by people, but I think that creatively uh, it, it's God-given talent. It's a God-given gift, and I think that people should act on it before they lose it. Yeah. Where can people connect with you, Benja? You're they so can familiar. connect with me on Facebook. I'm Benja K. Thomas on Facebook. I'm Sweet Benja on Instagram, and I'm Benja K. on um, Twitter. 
Awesome. And uh, you got you were in a show at the Billy Holiday prior to all this madness going on. Do you? This is just a. I just I personally want to know: Is you guys still doing doing that after all this? What's what's been the word on that? Well, I think um, Dr. Indira Ewood, she uh, was the director. She definitely wants to put it on. She's definitely been in contact with the cast about their availability. Um, so I know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I just don't know when it's going to happen. Okay. Um, and we were doing a play by Cheryl West called Before It Hits Home. Mm. So. Uh, Benja, has been great. Thank you for being a guest. And um, all the love, all the blessings. And uh, let's chat. Thank you. Thank you, Aaron, for what you do. Um, You're creative, and it's a blessing to be in your company, and I feel honored. So thank you very much for having me.